Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. Recently, I was feeling overwhelmed with all of the responsibilities I was juggling in my work and personal life. I signed up for BetterHelp and scheduled my first online therapy session. To be honest, I was a little nervous about meeting with a therapist online, but I was matched with a great therapist who offered me a fantastic experience. She helped me tremendously in our first session, and I noticed an instant difference in my mental health. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. You can also message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions whenever it's convenient for you. If you're matched with a therapist who isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, you also get more scheduling flexibility and a more affordable price, especially when you get 10% off your first month by signing up at betterhelp.com MFRP. That's betterhelp.com MFRP. Check it out and sign up today. Hello and welcome to the Motivation for Regular People podcast, where you'll find all the inspiration you need to start, continue, and finish the goals that matter most to you. Thanks for tuning in today. I'm very excited for today's episode because we are going to talk about two topics that are very near and dear to my heart, motivation and parenting. Before we get into the episode, let me remind you to subscribe to the show if you haven't already done so. We release a new episode every Thursday, as well as a few bonus episodes each month. And if you subscribe, you'll always be in the loop about new episodes when they come out. Today we're going to talk about motivation and parenting with Aaron Shelley. Aaron has a BS in mechanical engineering as well as an MBA. He's worked with various small businesses and startups, and he has a very unique systems perspective on both business and family that you're going to hear him talk about in today's episode. He lives in Utah with his wife. They have four children, and they run an Irish dance studio together. Aaron has some really profound, really interesting thoughts about how motivation relates to parenting, and we'll talk about the relationship between community and motivation in the episode as well, and I know that you'll be better for hearing what Aaron has to say. So let's get started. Here's Aaron Shelley. Hey, Aaron, thanks for coming on the podcast. I'm excited to talk with you. Yeah, me too, Brady. Thanks for having me. Of course. So obviously, you've done a lot of work with businesses and with families over the past several years, and I'm curious about well, so I'll set this topic up a little bit just so the listeners can be up to speed as well. So I'm a parent of young children. I know a lot of people who listen to this podcast are parents with young children. And I think it can be tough to really do much with this topic of motivation when you feel like so much of your time and energy is spoken for by managing your family and taking care of your kids. So I'm curious, based on your experience, where, what kind of overlap do you see here with the topic of motivation, but then also taking care of a family? Well, I think on the personal motivation side in the family, I think a lot of us look at it and we think, for me as a father, I was like, my job is to make sure we have the financial stuff 
taken care of. And so I was motivated that way, but sometimes you don't know what to do, especially like you, I was building a business. I got through with my engineering, then I did an MBA. And so I got into this spot where I was like, yeah, I know I need to make money, but I was doing the entrepreneurial thing with an Irish dance business my wife and I run. And then I was like, well, what do I do? How do I, how do I raise my kids right? I think all parents are motivated to be good parents, but we kind of don't know how. And then you look at it and go like, well, I know what I can do to make more money. So you just push that direction more so because you just don't know what the other thing you're supposed to do is. That's so interesting. So one thing that I hear as you're talking this, this issue, I don't even know if I want to call it an issue because it's sort of unavoidable with parenting. But I remember when my wife and I first started started talking about starting our family and the conversation as it is with a lot of people is, are we ready? And eventually the point where we arrived is we are never going to feel ready until it happens. And so we might as well just take this next step and know that we'll be ready when the time comes. And so I think it's interesting you bring up this idea of being a parent and not really knowing what to do. And I think that's something that all parents wrestle with, whether you've been a parent for a few weeks or I would imagine even longer than I've been a parent. Um, but this other concept that I hear you bring up is this idea that when you don't know what to do, you default to what feels natural or what makes the most sense in the moment, whether that's trying to make money or trying to do something else to support your family. Yeah, exactly. I think the default is we don't know what the role is. We don't know what to do. And a lot of times people are pushing so heavily like, well, kids need to be raised this way. And so you, you actually think I, I'm not doing it right. So I think it, all parents, I would say, have imposter syndrome, right? When my kids, you know, as soon as I had kids, I was like, holy cow, I'm old. Now I have children. I actually have a daughter who's married now and graduated from college. I'm like, freak, now I'm really old. <laughs> but there's this whole point where I'm like, what am I going to get the instruction book to actually, how am I supposed to do all this stuff? And that's where I think it's just kind of, you're never ready to your point. And you just have to kind of walk into the darkness. In some ways, parenting is like being an entrepreneur. It's not, there's not clarity like, oh, here's the steps and here's what you do and read this book. It's like, what are your kids going to do? And how are you going to, you and your wife going to make it work? And how are those, you know, sometimes we have different roles that we have to play. And so it's a lot of dynamics, just like being an entrepreneur. It's not, oh, here's my job and here's what I do. It's no, what fire do I need to put out today so that we can survive till tomorrow? And I feel like that's a lot about how being a family, um, a parent is, is it being very dynamic in your roles? I mean, when I was, my wife would teach dance um, when I had a job um, and I would come home at like six o'clock, take the kids from her and I would have to make the meals, change diapers, do whatever. Sometimes I would shop, make meals. You know, it, was, it wasn't these clear roles that some people have, but that's what our family needed. And so I think most families need to be flexible, very much like a small business where it's what needs to be done, who can do it. And then you just take on the roles, not, well, that's not my job. Because I think as soon as you get into marriages where you're in this, that's not my job, say, you're going to be in a very bad place. Mm. And so that's that's where I really, I focus on in the book is trying, in my book is, it's trying to put together a model so people understand what can I do and what should I be doing and how can I be investing in my family the same way I invest in my, my uh, business. Mm -hmm. 
I love what you're saying. And what it's bringing up for me is this thought that we've talked about before on the show, and you'll read about it other places as well. But this tension between being reactive versus being responsive, or similar, but not identical, the concept of working on what is urgent versus working on what is important. And there's a time and place for both. We can't only live in the camp of what is important and ignore what is urgent, whether we're running a business or whether we're parenting children or managing a family, but there has to be that right balance between being proactive in the way that we lead our families and lead our business, but also being flexible enough to respond to whatever is needed in the moment. Yep. Well, and that's, that's a little bit like I view it from an operations perspective. When you have a machine in operations, you know, you can either wait till it fails and then fix it, or you can, have what's called mean time between repair, where you're just like, oh, every 60 days we repair this machine, we refurbish it, so we never have failures, or so they're super rare. And I feel like a lot of people in their relationships, they don't invest in their relationships. And then when they have a failure, you're pulling on an empty bank account, you know, an emotional bank account. And so a lot of it's like, are you investing in your in your relationship with your spouse? Like that's the primary one. Just like in a business, if you had a co-founder, if you, that relationship ever fractures with the co-founder, the entire business is at risk. So it's all about where are you investing in your relationship with your spouse? Are you investing in your relationship with your kids? Because there's always going to be times where you're going to be pulled thin for, you know, there's a big show or something went down or you have this opportunity. I mean, I, when I was in business, I would travel for three weeks at a time, sometimes internationally. And if my wife's relationship and I would have been very weak, that could have been massive tension as it was. We had the bank account, we communicated, and we were able to work through it. So I, I see it as we, there's a point of investing where most of us think we're investing for financial returns, but we're not looking where are we investing for social returns and where are we investing for what I call human resource returns, which is our health and those type of things. And in a business, you invest in marketing. Marketing is not, you're hoping to get money from your marketing. But that's a longer term thing. You invest in marketing, then you may sell products, then you'll get money. And that's the same in our relationships. We need to invest in our relationships and in our community. Otherwise, we're not going to have anything to pull on when things hit the fan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's such a good point. I think that it's tougher because it's longer term, it's further in the future, and it's also harder to quantify. If I make a financial investment, I can look over time and see exactly what that return is relationships aren't really the same way. You can't quantify what sort of investment you've made and what return it offers. But I think your point is so valid that if you build up that bank account, and I think this is especially relevant to parenting, because when you're parenting children, there's going to be times when you have to make withdrawals. You have to say, this is right, this is wrong. You have to discipline. But if you've built up trust in that relationship, if you've made incremental deposits, you can make a withdrawal without depleting or overdrafting the account. Well, and there's there's another area where I call investing for social returns. And I have a story in the book about Bill Gates, like Bill Gates, his dad was a lawyer. His mom was a school teacher. They had kids and the mom dropped out, stopped school teaching and focused on the kids. And then once the kids got older, she started to invest in her community. And she happened to be on the board of United Way, which happened to have the CEO of IBM on it as well, which was that connection was super important for Bill to sell Microsoft to. 
he ended up selling it to Microsoft. So you look at her investment in the community had an unknown return, but it ended up being worth, I don't know, could have been 50 to $100 billion for the family. And so if you're looking at them broadly, you never know what those returns are. But in my experience, social investing, when you're investing in people and in your community, it has massive payoffs that are hard uh, to quantify, even investing in your church groups. You know, like I, I've been in church groups. I go, you know, help some people out. I had a, a time when I needed some help ripping some trees out. And I looked at what I would have cost for a professional to do. It was like five grand. I was like, I'll do it with my brother. It'll be a good opportunity to work with my brother and our kids and show them how to work. Well, then my church group, they saw me doing that. And they're like, hey, we're going to have an activity. We're all going to come over. One guy borrowed a chipper from his brother. Another guy who wasn't even a member of our our, our um, church, he was like, well, I just want to be involved in the community. And he had lived in Canada and done all sorts of tree work. So he came, specked it all out on the Thursday. And then we got a big thing together, knocked it all out. So it saved me five grand, but it also developed this relationship with all these men and their children. And then I looked at that and I'm like, so it saved me money, which helped me my financial, but it also built social. And the guy, one of the guys who I worked with, he was a friend of mine before, but he ended up um, hiring me onto his startup, which ended up very well financially for us. We ended up taking on 54 million of private equity and whatnot, but it was this big, did I know what that was going to return? No. And that's where I think so many people are like, I'm going to work, my wife's going to work and no one's investing in our community. Why do we feel so alone now? It feels so <laughs> because you're not investing for those social returns. Whereas when you have your your wife or the husband, one of the two investing or both investing in the community, investing in those relationships, the returns usually come very quickly. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And those relationships are reciprocal to me, not that we're using people as a means to an end or anything like that. But that's really how a community functions. There are times for all of us where Maybe it's a season where we have a need and other people can step in and help fill that need. And then there's going to be seasons where we're operating from excess, whether it's time, money or energy. And we're going to be able to take that and put that back into the community. And maybe it doesn't always even out over time. But as I look back on my life, I see seasons of giving. I see seasons of receiving. And it's a blessing to get to be a part of both of those. And, and there's a whole place where you build a community. It actually is very important for your mental health, right? If to have groups like that, especially for women, they need to be have part of a community. And when they don't do that, there's issues. And so that's where I think when, when we talk about motivation, getting back to that, I think there's a part of, I don't know what to do and I don't know how to do it. And that's where it's like, if you understand, like, for instance, as a parent, there's a book called The Boy Crisis. And it talked about if your father's not in the home or he's not interacting with the kids, there's like 50 different criteria in which the children will be worse off. I mean, there's similar lists for women as well, but there was just things I, I never realized the importance of me being in the home and interacting with my kids. And he talks a lot about playing with your kids. I don't know how you are, but I love playing with my kids, getting down there, you know, throwing them around. We'd get on the trampoline and play steamroller, all sorts of things. And sometimes the kids get hurt, but then they kind of, oh, I've heard a little bit, run to mommy, feel better, then come back and play some more, right? And that's really an important part of developing the relationship with your kids and also teaching your kids how to play with other, other kids. And these are things that I had never thought about. I'm thankful that I kind of did, but I'd never thought about that impact. 
I mean, in one case, he, I think he said in the boy crisis, if a dad is not in the home, the IQ is 20, 20 points lower, 10 oh, wow. points lower. And if you look at that, that's the difference between like an engineer and the average or, you know, being fairly useless in society. So there's these places where you just don't understand how much impact you can have. And I think as soon as when I started to see those numbers, I was like, man, I was so much more motivated because of that, because now I had, I'd learned what my role as a parent was versus me being like, oh, it's just about the money. I mean, I had a very hard time when I made a bad investment with real estate in 2007, cost me about a quarter of a million dollars. Oh, man. So I was like, holy crap, I am a horrible person, horrible, you know, like, what? A, I'm not good at protecting my family or providing for them. And I was just, I was in the dumps. I was like, it'd be better if my wife divorced me, if my kids didn't have me, because I suck at this. But I didn't realize all the other things I was bringing to the table. And that's where, you know, for me, once I understand that, I'm like, yeah, this is sucky in my financial area, but I'm still a massive contributor to my kids' human resources mm -hmm. and training them. So I think the more we understand the role of a parent um, and the value of a parent being present, it motivates us to want to be better parents. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm glad that you brought us back to that piece because you had mentioned roles as parents earlier in the conversation. And I wanted to probe that a little more. So we talked about the reactive versus the responsive approach and how many people, especially not knowing what's expected of them as a parent, will just do whatever seems right or whatever feels natural based on your experience and some of those things that you've just shared, what's a better approach to defining your unique role as a parent? I, I break it a little bit into, I mean, there's all a lot of roles in terms of what jobs we do, but then there's this other thing I talk about, which is called a challenger versus the nurture. And if you look at it, I think every child needs a challenger and they need a nurture. The challenger is the one who pushes them, you know, to do better, pushes them mentally. And the nurture is the one who, puts them back together when they get hurt. And in most families, women tend to be high nurturers and the husbands tend to be high challengers. And if you have two challengers, it can be difficult because you get hurt and then you go and then, or you don't have a, a single parent and you go to the challenger and they're like, just buck up. And you're like, dude, I'm hurt. And then if you have too much nurturing, then it means you never get challenged and you just don't develop. So a little bit is like, who are you in the relationship? And you need both. And I've seen it over and over with my own kids. We'd be playing, they would get hurt. They'd run to mom. She'd be like, oh, give them a hug. And then they'd run back in and play more. And the playing was always trying to play at a, at kind of their edge of ability. And you see this over and over with men as they're trying to push their kids development, push their abilities, um, push their curiosity. But you need, if you do that all the time, it's really stressful for the kids. So you kind of need this balance of nurture and challenger. You can do it, I guess. The problem is, is depending on what the kid needs, it can be difficult for them to um, know which person am I going to get? You know, is it is it going to be Aaron the challenger or Aaron the nurture? Hmm. That's so interesting. The metaphor that comes to my mind as you're talking is I'm thinking about we'll just say a football team, a football team needs a strength coach, but then they also need a trainer who can help players heal from injuries and get ready for practice. And if it's only the trainer, but no strength coach, you're never going to grow faster, stronger, better. If it's only the strength coach and not the trainer, 
then you're going to work yourself into the ground and you're not going to be able to heal from these injuries as they come up. And so there's that balance there that's necessary. And you can only have that if you've got both people present. So I think that's so good. And then the last thing, I guess, kind of to bring us full circle from the beginning. So I'm thinking again about the person who's listening and they're interested in the topic of motivation. Maybe it's motivation to build and strengthen their family. Maybe it's also motivation to develop themselves, to pursue their own goals. And they feel like that's hard to come by because so much of their time and energy is wrapped up in caring for somebody else. What advice would you give to that person? When you say caring for someone else, you meaning more like a parent? Are you saying like a like an invalid or how are you looking at that? Well, so I guess I'm thinking about the parent who feels like their life or their identity is wrapped up in their children and they don't feel like they have the space or the ability to do anything for themselves. I guess I'm thinking about how the topic of motivation might land Mm. with that person on initial impact. And then if we could reshape or reframe that in a way that's more helpful or constructive. Well, for, for me personally, what I did is I was like, I really think most of the stuff that children do is pretty boring. So I tried to pull my kids into stuff that I was interested in. You know, I, I played uh, volleyball, tried to get my kids playing volleyball. I played video games, got them into that. I played, um, I did stuff in technology. We did skiing because I'm in Utah. So we had good skiing. Um, I did scuba diving with them. You know, it's like, how do you pull your kids into things you're interested in? Then it makes it easy for you to spend time with them. You know, if you're like, oh, you want to go do this thing that I'm totally bored with and I want to go do this thing that's very interesting, you're going to be going to have problems. So I would always look at opportunities. I call this actually super investing. It's when you can pull your kids in to anything you're doing. It's a good opportunity to train them, build that relationship with them, help them understand your culture. I mean, historically, when you grow up on a farm, you know, when a kid, when a son or a daughter actually became like 10 or 12, they kind of got pulled into the world of the dad. Like, okay, now you're going to drive the combine. Now you're going to do this thing. And the dad was actually involved with a ton of the training because you just work together. And now we've kind of pulled that out where our kids don't see us work. And if they do, they're like, oh, I saw dad. He was just playing on the computer. It looked like he was just typing. They don't understand what the work is. So a lot of it's trying to pull your kids into things you're interested in it and as well as as work. My wife and I run this Irish dance business. We pull them into as much of the stuff, my kids, and much of the stuff as we can. They all did the dance, but then they've helped teach. Then they've helped um, coach. They've helped do some of the data entry problems, sales, you know, all these different things because we want to have a relationship with them, but we also want to train them. And so I think there's this point where a lot of people are like, I want to do whatever my kids want to do. Sure, that's helpful, but I think it's more like, it's more important for you to try to pull them into things you're doing. If you like golf, great. Take your kids golfing. I mean, I personally have had nothing more fulfilling than when I'm like skiing and all of my kids are going down a black diamond together with my wife. You know, like we're doing these things as a family. We enjoy them all as a family. And yet I really enjoy the activity as well. So I, that's where I'd say, look at those opportunities to merge those, you know, the training of your children, your kid time with either business or your recreational time. That resonates so well with me because I'm a person of many hobbies and some of my most enjoyable moments as a parent or when I'm able to bring my kids along to get to do those things with me. And ultimately, it's okay if they're not things that they enjoy as well. I think that they're so young right now that they're just kind of down for whatever. 
But over time, if it ends up not being something that they enjoy, that's fine. I do really enjoy getting to expose them to different things and have those shared experiences, kind of like you're talking about. So I'm glad you took it in that direction. I think that's going to be helpful for other people listening as well. Aaron, this has been awesome. Thanks again for coming on, letting me pick your brain. If anybody wants to learn more about you, learn about the book that you've talked about, where can people find out about you? Yeah, so I have a website, thefamilyflywheel.com, where it has the book. It has some resources for the book on how to use that. You can reach me at Aaron at thefamilyflywheel.com, or you can find me at Aaron K. Shelley on LinkedIn and Facebook. Awesome. Thanks again, Aaron. This was great. Thanks a lot, Brady. It was fun. Before we wrap up, let me tell you about one more opportunity that will help you unlock your motivation and pursue your most important goals. If you're anything like me, you start the new week with a lot of excitement. You have big plans and you can't wait to see what happens. Once the week gets going, though, you may have something unexpected come on your plate or you may simply start to feel overwhelmed by all of the tasks that you have to juggle. And it can be difficult to finish the week with the same amount of motivation that you had when you started. If this is a feeling you can relate to, go to my website at bradyross.com and sign up for my Midweek Momentum newsletter. Each Tuesday, I'll send you a short email with a thought, quote, or reflection, often based on the podcast from the week before. This boost of momentum will help you finish your week with the same amount of drive and determination that you had when you started. After you sign up, you'll receive a free instant download of the introduction in Chapter 1 of my book, Seven Steps to Dominate Your Day and Crush Your Goals. You'll learn how to maximize the power and potential of each day by planning in advance what you want to accomplish. This newsletter is completely free. I won't spam you. I won't sell your information. And you can unsubscribe at any time if for whatever reason you don't find the content helpful. I simply want to help you carry your motivation through the end of the week and give you the boost you need to start doing more of the work that matters. And I think that you'll ultimately find both the information in the email and the timing of it very helpful. So if you're interested, you can sign up today at bradyross.com. That's B-R-A-D-Y-R-O-S-S.com. And we'll include that link in the show notes as well. Once again, thanks for listening to today's show. Please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already done so. And if you're willing to leave us a rating, that would be awesome as well. Any positive feedback helps us grow this community and spread the word to others who may find the content helpful. As we wrap up, remember, you already have all of the motivation that you need, and it's up to you to decide what you'll do with it.